Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip. A podcast for diverse millennials to help make sense of COVID-19 and the decisions made by our political leaders. Stay tuned as we parse through the weekly events and announcements that impact us. Shall we? Let's do it. Well, this is April the 11th, 2020, and as of 2 p.m. this afternoon, Canada sits at 23,210 cases reported, which is more than double the number from nine days ago. That means we're still not flanking the curve. Thankfully, there have been 6,552 recoveries. Unfortunately, there have been 648 deaths across Canada. Wow. And just so you know, There are about 61 confirmed cases per 100,000 people. And as you can imagine, that number increases on a daily. This was the week Chief Public Health Officer Dr. Tam shared that Canada could lose between 11,000 and 22,000 lives over the next year. And that's the best case scenario. Worst case, the models show that 300,000 Canadians would die if there were no measures in place. And a middle of the road scenario would still lead to more than 100,000 deaths. Even with this restrictive policy or with the restrictive policies we have in place currently, the models show between 1% and 10% of the population could become infected with COVID-19 in the first wave of the pandemic, which could result in between 4,400 and 44,000 deaths. So that means physical distancing measures won't be alleviated or won't be lifted until at least the summertime. Wow, party done. No, no Carabana. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are really upset about that. I'm sure a lot of people were looking forward to Carabana this year. So can I ask that we have like a moment of silence for Carabana? <laughs> Let's do it. Two seconds? Well, five Two seconds? seconds. What are we doing? Two seconds, I think is okay. <laughs> Stop laughing so we can have a moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Ontario's cases, um, you know, we currently sit at 6,648. Thankfully, there have been 2,858 recoveries, which is very important, and I'm going to get to this later on. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in Ontario, there have been 253 deaths. Now, the good news in that sea of bad news, right, yeah. is COVID-19 is vulnerable, just the same way that we are vulnerable. And the world scientific community will eventually exploit that vulnerability through vaccines. But that could be a year off at minimum. So that's why Canadian researchers are participating in a global trial called Solidarity through the World Health Organization to test antivirals for their effectiveness against the virus. And to be clear, 
Antivirals aren't the same as vaccines. Vaccines prevent infection. Antivirals, on the other hand, interfere with the virus after infection is underway, so as to not further the spread. Researchers think that some strategies that were created but never used during the SARS outbreak might be effective since COVID-19 and SARS act in similar ways. So that's good. Yeah. By the way, uh, researchers are looking for 700 to 800 Canadians to take part in tests. So you're signing off? I mean, if I get sick first, right? This week, we learned that the federal government was successful in getting Trump to release 500,095 masks destined for Canada after Trump originally held them up. Yes, Trudeau. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Yeah, thank you. We also know that just about everywhere in the world right now, there is a massive shortage of personal protective equipment like masks. That's why it's, it's great to see uh, that there's a Team Canada approach to manufacturing what we need right here at home. The problem, though, the problem is we won't be able to start producing large quantities for months to come. And further, although we, you know, we've set money aside to buy whatever PPE we need, notice I said PPE, not PPE, uh, there are significant logistical <laughs> challenges. <laughs> there are significant logistical challenges to getting the equipment here on time and unspoiled. Today I was watching CBC like I do consistently because I'm a nerd. And um, it was concerning to hear from a frontline doctor herself that although masks have entered the country, as we just heard, they still haven't reached frontline workers. That's scary. Yeah. Again, we're, we're clearly experiencing some logistical problems and even some communication problems. I don't, I don't know what it is, but our public health apparatus and our governments, they need to get on filling this gap sooner rather than later. And that's probably why Dr. Tam is saying we should probably not be throwing out all of our equipment just yet. Yeah, and I actually wanna I wanna close the the loop on on this following the Mickey D's conversation that we had on last week's pod, because like, is it masks? Is it visors? Or is it nothing at all? What is the answer to this riddle? Sounds here's, like it's all of the above, right? So here's my understanding of of what's happening. Masks are great for protecting oneself, but are not good because the N95s are not reusable. But Dr. Tam told us, just like you said, Curtis, that the N95s are are reusable and can be washed up to 10 times over and they still work. Now, I saw a couple of you guys saying, Dr. Tam, you're dutty, but (laughs) if it works, if it works, I think there's a lot that supports the fact that we need to be washing these N95s and using them a couple of times before we throw them away. Then there are visors. You guys see these like medical grade visors. I'm not talking about the visor that you wear to the beach, but the mm-hmm. visors that, that are me- medical grade. They're great because they really help to, to protect our medical professionals. Um, but like low key, I saw a dude at Canadian Tire with one of these on, um, which is not necessary when you're going out shopping. Um, because they still require medical grade respirators like the N95 or the N96 for anybody who is coming into contact with somebody who has COVID-19. And then scarves, like since the beginning of this global coronavirus pandemic, um, Americans have been told by their CDC um, not to wear masks unless they're sick or they're caring for a sick person who was unable to wear one or the working in healthcare. But I've seen a lot of people use scarves, head ties, tie heads, just about anything to cover their mouth and nose. And this will protect people around you. So if you think that you have COVID-19 and you want to protect people in your home, that will protect them, but it will not protect you. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm bald, but I might just start wearing a do-rag just now. Yeah, fam, around your mouth, a, a lie? <laughs> like, a lie? <laughs> put your do-rag around your mouth. <laughs> like, that's the wave now. So honestly, like, some people are still asking, like, is it okay to wear nothing? Is it okay to not wear a mask, to not wear a glove, to not in any way cover your mouth? And I don't know, Curtis, but I think the answer is no. I think it's not okay to wear nothing. I think the what, what I'm hearing and what I'm reading is that we may be, some of us who, who don't have any symptoms, may be asymptomatic, and it's just better for us to wear a mask. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, because I haven't been wearing a mask to date, and, um, you know, seeing the news come out regarding this, it made me think, maybe I should start doing that, and I, I think I will, because it's, again, it's not about protecting ourselves, it's about protecting others, and if we do care about that, and if we have a way to help others, we should. Yeah. You know, Dr. Tan did a bit of an about face about this just this past week, because her guidance now is that all of us should be wearing masks in public. But like you said, patients, it doesn't, it doesn't protect you. It protects others. And that's fine. That's fine. Right. I got to tell you, I, I saw that announcement in the news. And I mean, did I screw up my face and kiss my teeth because Dr. Tan dared to change her guidance to Canadians in an ever-changing, super-fluid COVID-19 world? No, of course not. Right. But Global Mail current affairs columnist Robin Urbach felt differently. She felt way differently, in fact. She felt away, I might say. Mm-hmm. My girl said Dr. Tam's about face on masks damages trust at a crucial time. That, that was an actual quote there. Wow. Robin, chill. Chill. Just, nothing wrong with revising guidelines, and the situation is novel and changing rapidly. And our overall response has been pretty good, especially in comparison to the United States. So why don't we just give Dr. Tam and our public health apparatus the respect they deserve? Kudos to you, Dr. Tam. So now, in terms of our the, the, the politics of this all, I follow a number of profs online, uh, and one of them, Dr. Thomas Klassen, made what I think is an astute observation. He said, quote, COVID-19 presents opportunities to demonstrate that the state can guarantee the safety and health of its citizens and to show that government has the tools to safeguard public safety. Andrew Scheer, Canada's leader of the opposition, seems to be coming out of the woodwork to, you know, act more like an opposition leader. And as a result, we're seeing a little tussle unfold between the conservatives and the government, particularly on the wage subsidy legislation. At the time of this recording, the legislation has already become law, so money for businesses will be flowing soon. And I must say, despite the fact that I don't support the Conservative Party, it's good to see them holding the government to account and doing their part to protect Canadians. Fundamentally, this should make our democracy stronger, just as long as he doesn't get in the way of progress. That being said, CBC reported that the number of reported cases of COVID-19 in Indigenous communities has more than doubled since last week. And we should be really, really concerned about this because, you know, according to Indigenous Services Canada, many fear the trend will bring devastation to some of these remote locations. So discussions have, have started now kind of in line with, with what I've been saying about, about Trudeau and um, Andrew Scheer about whether we're going to invoke the Emergencies Act at the federal level. 
what that does then is is kind of prevent us from watching government as it happens. So I don't know how many of you, I'm sure Curtis is tuning in and, and watching these discussions happen in real time or read about these things as they're happening in real time, meaning the media has access to these discussions that are happening in the House. If we were to invoke the Emergencies Act, we would not be privy to those conversations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the premiers don't think that we're at that point yet. And personally, I have never been a fan of suspending uh, any of the limited personal liberties that I have at this moment. And I think it's a slippery slope. Yeah, I understand a lot of Canadians being fearful of this, um, especially because it's unprecedented, right? The majority of Canadians have never experienced anything like it. Right. You know, I, I grew up in the Royal Canadian Air Cadet Program, so my formative years, certainly my teen years, were kind of guided by a very militaristic, <laughs> authoritative way of life. If, if I'm honest, that doesn't scare me because I'm, I'm used to that, you know what I mean? Or I've, I've experienced that in a way before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what Canadians need to remember is that Whatever mobilizations might come, we know that they're not going to come at this point, but whatever mobilizations might come from the Emergencies Act, it's, it's meant to support us, not to hurt us. I know, it's, I know that there's many people who may come from other countries and the military in those jurisdictions were very bad organiza- uh, you know, very bad organizations. Yeah, um, violent, imposing. Right, yeah. take people in the middle of the night kind of thing. And exactly. I, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that here in Canada. Um, our, our Canadian armed forces are, are really here to help us. And to, and to put into perspective, you know, there were a lot of people earlier this week who were sharing images on social media about different Canadian armed forces personnel and equipment mm-hmm. on our roads. And there was a lot of fear about that. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was scared too. I was, I was scared. Were you? What, what scared you about it? I think it just, it just reminds me of the movies. You know, you see tanks and you see things entering, um, you know, spaces that you're not used to seeing that in. And you just get scared because you don't know. It's, it's really ignorance from my perspective. No, I, I think it's, I think it's re- like, you know, again, if it's something that you have not experienced before, you haven't really seen yeah, it's, it's a little normal, I think, to be concerned about it. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that it wasn't for preparing for an emergencies act, right? There was actually a reason for it. And it was to move and centralize members of what's called Joint Task Force Central to an army base near Barrie called CFB Borden. So everybody was moving to Borden so that from there, units will be dispatched to Northern and Indigenous communities to provide healthcare and logistical support where there are there just aren't as many resources, right? There aren't hospitals, there aren't roads even, right? So that's what the military is going to be doing over the next little bit, providing support. And that's great work. We we need bodies that can mobilize to support Indigenous communities because we want them to survive. We want them to make it through this. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. So am I. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. 
That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now on to the segment where we talk about the economy. Honestly, it's, it's been kind of a slow week when it comes to the economy. We hope that you all applied for CERB this week, depending on your month of birth. You know, January, February, March was supposed to apply on Monday. The government said that they received 3.8 million applications this week. 3.8 million of you applied for CERB. Money, 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 money. Money. Anyway. <laughs> and they aren't even checking eligibility until afterwards, which I think is a really decent thing to do. Kind of like proof of payment. You know how now you can just go on the bus and then they'll check afterwards to see if you actually paid your, your fare to get on. So I, I appreciate the system, especially because there are so many people who have lost their livelihood, who can't prove that they were working up until this point. For instance, in my spare time, I sometimes work in the gig economy as uh, an Uber driver. And there's a lot of Uber drivers who were worried that that they weren't going to be able to replace their income. Nobody's going anywhere, so you don't necessarily need a ride. So anyone who is an Uber driver or any kind of delivery person, Lyft driver, this is a way for you to um, help to replace your income. So please, please apply. Yeah, and, and Justin Trudeau himself mentioned earlier this week that, uh, or I guess last week, that they are looking at other measures so that more people can take part in the CERB program. So, you know, if you're sitting down right now wondering if you should apply, if I'm honest with you, I would say apply now, get your money. And if it so happens that you have to repay the money in the future, do that because you need help now. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of cars, last week as well, Ontario Finance Minister Rod Phillips, he called on insurance companies in Ontario to follow the lead of Allstate Insurance and to give breaks to their policyholders. Now, I don't drive, so this isn't that important to me, um, but I can imagine that reducing the cost of insurance is top of mind for many people right now. Top of mind car insurance in the city of Toronto or really anywhere in the GTA is an Mm -hmm. arm and a leg. Mm -hmm. And a whole stomach too. A whole, a liver fam. (laughs) (laughs) Rod said we need to, insurance companies need to lower their rates and follow Allstate, which lowered it by 25%. So shout out to Allstate and its subsidiaries. Um, in response, the, insu- the Insurance Bureau of Canada has said that its, ins- its members are offering reductions 
uh, for the next 90 days worth $600 million in savings. As a side note, I always find it funny when companies refer to you know, giveaways that they're doing as savings for other people when they're actually looking at it as how much money they're wasting on themselves. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? But anyway, yeah. uh, so the reality is if you're a driver today, even if you're not with Allstate, do yourself a favor and call your provider because there may be something available for you. We were all, as in the whole world was all, insufficiently prepared to handle this crisis. And some influential business leaders like Bill Gates warned us about how our lack of preparedness would be lethal if something like COVID-19 were to happen. And to be clear, Bill Gates warned us about this in 2015, full five years ago. Yeah, in the aftermath of SARS, uh, of the SARS pandemic rather, preparedness was really high on the priority list. Unfortunately, it fell further and further down the list as time went on. And now here we are playing catch up, right? So whether we're talking about Bill Gates or different health apparatuses around countries around the world, there was an attempt to prepare ourselves for this very moment. And it's funny, if you look at the U.S. Disease Preparedness Handbook, if you look at the Canadian Disease Preparedness Handbook, those handbooks sound eerily similar to exactly <laughs> what is happening right now. So we had a plan, <laughs> yeah. but our governments didn't follow through. And that's governments of all stripes, right? And uh, of the majority of countries. So I think what this calls into question is that our governments need to take this more seriously. I, I can completely understand that generally speaking, nobody living today has experienced anything like this. And we need to keep that in mind when we're being critical of our leaders. But this is a clear example of the options that we had to save ourselves being laid out, right? We had options and we just didn't follow through. So we need to do a better job for the future. No kidding. As recently as this year, Ford was still cutting millions of dollars from the public health budget. And I get it. It's easy to say that we should have listened to Bill Gates, even though Bill Gates doesn't have a constituency that he's accountable to. But he's also right a lot of the time about issues of global health. The man is single-handedly funding the eradication of polio. Talk to him nice. <laughs> but you know what else is sad? So not only did we not have any kind of emergency preparedness around infectious diseases, you know, some people in the world are dying and, and aren't being identified or claimed by members of their family. And so in places like New York City, they're being put into mass graves in places wow. like Heart Island. Wow. That's, wow. That's incredibly sad. And, and it's unheard of in the U.S. too, right? At least in recent history. Yeah. At the same time, and I hope people aren't going to fault me for this, but I, I also can't help but juxtapose the image of mass graves of Americans on U.S. soil because of a pandemic with mass graves in the Middle East due to U.S. and Western aggression over the past century. So hopefully many of us in the West will now know what that feels like. Our fellow human beings have been experiencing this for decades. And, you know, I've heard a lot of the same things said about us being confined to our homes. Confinement is a strong word, but we are 
isolating ourselves and we are kind of quarantining ourselves and we don't have to do that because we aren't at risk the same way that a number of countries have been living at risk because the, the U.S. has been bombing their city centers and their public squares. So there is a lot of empathy that we can glean from this moment. So now to questions for the audience. Questions for the audience. So, hey, gig economy, how's it going? Drivers, delivery people, um, people who work for Uber, Lyft, Uber Eats, Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, Amazon. Do you feel protected? As a part-time driver myself, I know that business is way down, particularly for Uber. And although contractors do qualify for CERB, I, I admit that it must be really confusing. Like, do, are, are we working? Are we not working? If business is down and people aren't needing rides, are we still an essential service? Because we have been categorized as an essential service. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that I see you. And I I really want to hear from someone who is part of the gig economy because I want to know how it's going. Mm, I hear that. And my question to the audience is based on, there have been various reports of increased hate crimes committed by the far right on both sides of the border and that's related to COVID-19. So as a person of color, are you afraid? Are you worried about your safety? Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. Remember, we're all in this together, and this forum is meant to be a sort of safe space to foster community. So slide in our DMs with any questions or feedback you have, and we promise to respond. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at PatienceEve. And I'm on Instagram at State of Vermont. See you next time, everyone. You know, it's getting pretty wild out there. We've heard about shootings and other instances of violence all across the greater Toronto area. And we're urging people to please stay home. And if you can't, please continue to be vigilant and stay safe. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Stephen Fisson, who graciously provided artwork for this podcast. If you like what you see, you can find him on Instagram at Scarborough That's Scarborough, D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E, for all your graphic design needs. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.